But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the gospel. The Lord prays to you, O Christ. Uh, prodigal son, or the lost son, as it fits within the Luke 15 narrative of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. Uh, we don't we don't talk about the prodigal sheep or the prodigal coin, right? We talk about them being lost, and so we, we think of this son as being the lost one. Uh, and it always begins, right, with the son going to his father and saying, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance now. I want you dead so I can have what I think I deserve. And we find out that dad obliges. He says, okay, I'm going to give you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give gifts to you uh, of what is mine. I'm going to give it to you so that it becomes yours. And the son goes off and does what he does, right? And it doesn't go well. He mismanages his stuff. He doesn't do what uh, uh, he, he should be doing with the gifts that have been given to him. And he finds himself completely done in. He has nothing left. He has nowhere else to turn. All of his quote-unquote friends that he made had left him. And he comes to his senses and he finally realizes, I'm dying of thirst. I'm dying of hunger. I need something else. And so he realizes his father is still his father. His father's not dead. And so he thinks to himself, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to my daddy and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. But I'm going to ask for it in a particular way, right? He, he says, uh, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy be called your son, treat me like one of your hired hands. Right? He, he's saying, don't let me be a son anymore. I don't deserve that because of what I've done to you. I, I, I wanted you dead. I wanted you gone. Just treat me like a slave. And so he goes back and he turns to his father, right? And yet before he has the chance to do anything, his father sees him and runs to him and embraces him before he makes any announcement of confession or repentance. And then when he does, he never gets to the part of, of uh, the, the work of repentance, the, the work of reconciliation in the sense of, well, I'm sorry, and this is what I'm going to do to change it. Right? That was the treat me like one of your slaves. I, I, I'm sorry. I was a bad boy. I don't deserve to be your son. Now treat me like one of your hired hands so at least I can have some food to eat and a place to sleep. But all he is able to get to is, I've sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father's response is a one of fatherhood that loves your son. 
and so he dresses him in fine clothes and puts a ring on his finger and and puts sandals on his feet because he was probably barefoot and they celebrate right this son of mine was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and there's no punishment for him which is weird that's, that's something that causes an issue for us right because we we like uh, retributive justice right we like uh, to, to be able to make sure that we get our pound of flesh if someone is really sorry they need to prove it to us they need to do something in order to make up for whatever damage they did to us and yet here that doesn't happen where God's grace, God's mercy, his, his fatherness is, is shown to us in the fact that he, he doesn't really, really even listen to his son's confession. He embraces him. He practically tackles him and is kissing him all over like a golden retriever who's been waiting for their master to come home. And, you know, yeah, he hears his son say what he says, but in order for his son to understand that he hasn't lost his sonship. He hasn't lost his ad adoption as a child in the father's house. He says, hey, bring out the best clothes, the best jewelry, the best food, the best wine, and let us have a feast because my child is back. And Christ tells this parable as a picture of God's work in the world. God's work, especially amongst unbelievers, especially amongst Gentiles. That, that's, that's where this, this parable fits in because the younger brother is the, is basically fits the position of the Gentile and the elder brother fits the position of the, of the Jews uh, in, the, in the sense of the elder brother always did what his dad told him, always stayed, never ran off, never expected his dad to die <laughs> uh, so that he could inherit everything, um, stayed loyal. And uh, the younger son doesn't, right? And yet God's fatherness, his fathership, whatever word we want to use, gets poured out upon this younger son who seems to be the one who doesn't want to have a part in the life with his father anymore. And yet he says, no, it's for you. It's there for you. And so when we come to this introduction to the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, or our Father in heaven, we read this story and we need to understand the reality of who God is, who Christ is, and what he has done for us. That he has poured himself out in our place, that he might clothe us in himself, that robe, that he might make us his. And so we can turn to the Father in sheer tenacity, to beg of him, right? That he might uh, have his name be hallowed and, and uh, have his will and his kingdom done in and among us, that he would forgive us our sins, that he would continue to provide for us 
and that he'd defend us from all evil. We can come to him tenaciously in that because he comes to us and does all he can to make sure that we continue to remember that we are his and he is ours. And we give thanks to God for that. And we have to, right? We have to. Because if, if we were to rely on the way that we do things in the world, rather than on the way that God does things, we would all be messed up, right? We'd all be messed up. We, we would not be receiving what it is that we need. We would definitely be receiving that which we deserve, right? We would be uh, in, a, in a position in which, yes, retributive justice would come to us and we'd have to pour out our pound of flesh. But what God does in his fatherness the reason why we can so graciously call upon him as Father and receive from him that knowing that he hears us is because he's a grace-filled Father, a grace-filled Daddy, that he wants to pour out his promises to us. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, with these words we ask that you would entice us so that we come to believe that you are truly our father and we are truly your children nor that we ask you boldly and with complete confidence just as loving children ask their loving father knowing that you hear us through jesus christ your son our lord amen well church go in peace serve the lord we will see you on sunday god's blessings be upon you and may his grace be poured out uh, over you in some way uh, today. See ya. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.